how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Scott Conroy got his start writing political journalism on the 2016 campaign trail, mainly in the New Hampshire area. Milking the experience, he eventually wrote two books, Sarah from Alaska, about Sarah Palin, and Vote or Die, the New Hampshire Primary, before creating a series about the experience called Embeds. For his new series, Blackout, the original idea came from a TV pilot he wrote years earlier. Thanks to a friend in the business, he decided to consider turning the story into a podcast. The thriller, which now stars Mr. Robot's Rami Malek, is a suspense story about a small-town DJ who must fight to protect his family and community from a coordinated attack that destroys the power grid and upends modern civilization. In this exclusive interview, Conroy discusses working across various mediums as a storyteller, the difference in television and podcast shows, writing sound rather than visual cues, grounding a large story with character, and how he regularly takes advantage of opportune moments when they arise. Yeah, I, so I was actually a journalist for 10 years um, prior to coming out to L.A. Um, I worked for um, several different news outlets, CBS News, um, Huffington Post, Vice, um, and I mainly covered presidential politics. So... Um, Co-wrote a book about Sarah Palin and um, wrote a book about the New Hampshire primary here, and spent a lot of time on the campaign trail, particularly in New Hampshire, um, where the story is set. So um, I uh, sort of made the transition into doing this full time um, a couple of years ago. I created a show called Embeds uh, that aired on Go Ninety, which was Verizon's original platform. Um, and, uh, that was based loosely on my own experience of, you know, uh, being a young, uh, producer covering a presidential campaign in Iowa. So, um, that was kind of the thing that, um, you know, made me transition into this new career of screenwriting. What were some of those difficulties? So it seems like, you know, you were pretty young, you got um, you were in this uh, unique experience. I'm sure you brought a unique voice to it as well. But you got a a book published and a TV show. Kind of how did how did those things come about? Was it just your point of view? Did you see something that they didn't see before? How did you get those things created? Um, I think well, the first the first book was about um, Palin, um, and I benefited from having been one of I think you know, only eight or nine reporters that were on the, um, on the plane with her throughout the whole campaign. Um, you know, the, 
um, the the networks. Um, I worked for CBS at the time, so the networks all send a young you know, reporter producer to cover each of the the candidates, and, and I covered her campaign. And um, so I had I had kind of a front row vantage point. Um, see that that was um, really helpful in um, getting to have access to sources that were useful to the book that I wrote with my co-author, um, Shoshana Walsh, who's, who's also a campaign embed on the, on the plane. So, um, having that unique experience, um, was valuable and there was so much interest in her at the time. Um, and no one had really written a, um, a full length, um, thank you, um, full length, um, you know, biography, um, about Sarah Palin, which we, which we did and we tried to do, uh, fairly, um, and so, um, you know, that was um, something that was kind of a unique opportunity. And then um, the New Hampshire book, you know, I, um, I spent a lot of time, as I said, in New Hampshire uh, on the campaign trail. Um, I actually and my wife, who's, who's a reporter still uh, in New Hampshire, got married there, um, and just, um, you know, tried to, uh, you know, pitch that project as something that would be, different from what you get in most political homes. You know, it's sort of more in the vein of travel writing. Um, it was all sort of in a first-person account, but combined that with um, a um, kind of deep dive into the history of the New Hampshire primary. So I tried to find an approach that, that hadn't really been done before. Um, so that's, you know, I, I would say that's kind of a consistent, um, consistent theme to uh, my work and being able to, um, you know, take advantage of these, these opportunities that I'm, that I'm very grateful for. I think trying to find places uh, to, you know, a- approach the material in a way that um, it hasn't been approached before and to um, think about it in sort of a non-traditional kind of way. Uh, and that's what's exciting about podcasts in general to me, too. And, you know, what got me interested in, in doing a podcast, it, it's in some ways it's a throwback to you you know, very old form of storytelling from the, from the 1930s. Uh, but in other ways it's brand new and everyone's still trying to figure it out. So that was appealing to me. I think it's really unique that you're, you know, trying these different mediums out. So what, um, other than interest, what led to the story for blackout? Where did you come up with the idea? Yeah. So I had, I had actually written, um, a TV pilot, that um it was called uh it was called Berlin. Um and it had uh a lot of the elements that made it into the the podcast. Um, um but what what basically happened was that my um my former feature agent at CAA, Rob Herding, uh left CAA to start his own podcasting company, uh which is Q Code, which produced Blackout. Um and uh Rob had, as my agent, had read this this TV pilot, Berlin, that I that I wrote, and you know sat down with me and said, "Have you ever thought about doing this in podcast?" Um, and it really made a lot of sense to me right right off the bat because um, I think when you're when you're thinking about creating a podcast and getting involved in, in this kind of um, really uh, interesting and vibrant podcast market right now, um, you want to come up with an idea that makes sense for the medium. And I think, uh, you know, creatively, this idea of, of a blackout where the characters, you know, uh, it, it in theory can't see what's going on around them uh, makes sense for, for an experience that um, is entirely uh, an audio-driven one. So 
Um, that, that was basically the genesis of the project. And so what does that look like on the page? Um, I mean, that you, the first two have been released. I know they're about 30 minutes, not counting some ads, but like how, like if, if your original pilot, let's say it was 45 to 60 pages, how many pages are we looking out for a full series like this? And what does it look different on this, on the screenplay page? Yeah, I think each episode, and it was, you know, I wrote the pilot, um, and then we had a, a sort of a mini writer's room for the podcast. It was me, uh, two other writers, and a writer's assistant. Um, so the scripts all came in in the sort of mid to upper 20s for page length. And um, we just really had to focus. It sounds obvious, but um, it's, it's not necessarily obvious when you're approaching this material. We had to write to sound. So, um, you know, the, usually when you write something for TV or film, like you are, there are a lot of visual uh, cues. Um, and obviously, we couldn't use any of those. So we had to be really um, confident and reliant on our, um, you know, our, our, our trust in the audience, first of all, to be able to follow along with, with the narrative when you're taking away uh, one of the most pow- powerful uh, tools to do so, which is your site. And then secondly, um, we had to have a lot of confidence in our own um, sound design and um, engineering and music team um, because, you know, in order for this to work, and Blackout is a fairly uh, complex storyline, you know, it's not just like two people talking to each other in a room. Uh, we had to have a lot of confidence that those guys would be able to um, use use sound to ground the listener, um, in what's happening. And, you know, I, I couldn't be more happy. Uh, I couldn't be happier, uh, with the way that, you know, this thing sound, I think, frankly, you know, that's kind of what we tried to, um, to lean on as the thing that would separate, separate this podcast, hopefully, um, from, from, you know, really a lot of, a lot of the other scripted podcasts, because we just, we just wanted to really increase that um, that 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 cinematic quality um, that that comes through through the you know through the effects and sound design that we use. Are there any specific examples you'd like to talk about? Like something I noticed. I mean, obviously, there's like uh, tires squilling and, and transition between characters, but something as simple as like bir- birds chirping to show it's morning time, like. Things like that are a little more complicated than it would be if you're just, you know, showing a, a clip on a, in a TV show or something. Anything else like that that might come to mind? Yeah, I mean, there's little cues, as you alluded to, that um, sort of you might not even notice um, overtly as you're listening, but they hopefully enter your subconscious, like certain characters and locations. Um, there's a common uh, refrain, um, you know, musically. Um, and, you know, um, uh, Jamie Sheffman and Noah Gersh, who, um, their music are, are musicians and they're just extremely talented. And so that was really helpful. Um, I think, you know, um, there were the big moments like, uh, you know, a plane crashing into a mountain that, um, you know, what's interesting is that if we did that, obviously on a movie or in a TV series, it would cost. I don't know how much money, but but um, uh, a lot more than it costs us. You know, that's something that you can do in a podcast pretty efficiently and effectively 
um, with with kind of a, a minimal uh, effect. What, what was trickier, I think, were the little things. You know, like um, I remember recording the podcast with all the actors and just making sure we got little breaths and little reactions. Um, you know, the sound of someone running, the sound of leaves crunching against, um, you know, the, um, their, their feet to make it sound like, you know, New England in the fall. Um, all of those little things I think are what really make it work. And those are actually trickier to implement. Also, you know, we have this kind of complex, um, narrative structure, which is that, there's basically three components to it. One is kind of the action that's going on among the different characters. Um, and then secondly, we have um, Simon, who's voiced by Rami Malek, uh, his radio broadcast, because he's a radio DJ. And then thirdly, we have uh, Simon's um, you know, voiceover, which is, uh, which is done through uh, an audio recorder. And so those three narratives all have to sound distinct. And they all have to be woven in and edited in a way that uh, makes sense. So that was, you know, that took a lot of time, too. I would say, you know, the big takeaway for me is that so much of uh, creating a, uh, a narrative scripted podcast is in the post-production. You know, I mean, I would say that that is um, really fundamentally um, the thing that, that you have to focus on to make something like this work. So how did, um, you, re- you mentioned uh, Remy Malik, how did he get involved with doing the voice for, for part of the project? Yeah, so I, um, I, um, my, um, I, I the, the genesis of that basically was that, um, you know, we um, had sort of heard through the grapevine, um, through Rami's manager, um, that he was interested in doing a podcast um, and just kind of wanted to find the right one. So. Um, Rob Herding um, was able to set up a meeting with me and Rami, uh, I believe in August. Um, so he had just finished um, shooting Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, and it was, it was coming out in a couple months. And um, so I met with him and, and pitched him the idea, and he sort of got it instantaneously and was excited about it and, you know, asked me a lot of questions. Um, and really, you know, wanted to, wanted to get involved like right away. And so that was, you know, when that happened, obviously, you know, having someone of his caliber, uh, on board, things moved, moved very quickly. And, you know, he was someone who really just kind of brought his A game to this in spite of all of his, um, other commitments and, and, you know, uh, needs on his time. Um, you know, he took this really seriously and, and, and was, 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 was earnest about, um, playing this role, and I think you know that really comes through. He did such a great job. Did anything uh, change with the script once he signed on? I know a lot of uh, his fans are, are familiar with um, you know his narrative work, his character on like Mr. Robot, for example. Did anything change to uh, change the character to his specifications or anything like that? No, I mean not really. I mean not not in the writing. Um, you know when we were recording it. Um, he, uh, he brought, I would say that he brought things to it that I wasn't expecting or that I hadn't planned for in the writing. Um, I, I think a really good example is, is just the voiceover actually in general. Um, you know, I had sort of envisioned it as the way you typically hear a voiceover, <laughs> uh, in movies, uh, you know, and, and on TV, which is pretty, 
it, it's pretty boilerplate, I think, um, and, and kind of dull. Um, but I just thought that we needed that to um, help ground the, the story and the narrative. But what he brought to it was really this kind of frantic energy um, and this kind of off-the-cuff feel, which I think really was 100 times better, honestly, than the way that I had been conceiving it in my head because it just adds to that immediacy that I think you're especially looking for in a podcast. So that's one of those things where, you know, there's nothing better, I think, um, you know, I think any writer would say this, um, then, um, you know, ha- having something come out even, even better than you, uh, had envisioned it when you were, when you were, you know, putting it down on the page. So it sounds like there's a lot of, um, freedom, but also a lot of limitations. Do you think that this, like this, um, the podcast world will, at least right now, work best with possibly genre where there are action beats and things like that? Like, do you... Could it work if it was a little bit slower, I guess, is my question. Yeah, I mean, you can look at, um, if you look at the, you know, just the podcasts that have done the best, I mean, most of them are, are nonfiction, first of all. Mo- I, you know, most of them are either talk, um, some kind of political analysis or interviews, um, or, you know, uh, true crime, which obviously is, is huge. But I think, I think there's actually um, a giant kind of, I say untapped market for scripted podcasts of all sorts, but it's being tapped now. You know, there's a lot of people working on these now. And so I think it's a really exciting time. And I, and I don't think that, you know, it has to be action. It has to be suspense. Um, I think those elements are helpful in a podcast and especially, you know, an audience that um, typically listens to podcasts, you know, we, we, we probably get some of that, true crime loving, you know, bleed over because there are certain elements of that genre that um, are, are present here and that, you know, the suspense of it. But, you know, I didn't, I, I, I have interests in, and have written, you know, pretty widely across genres um, outside of podcasts. And I don't think there's any reason why um, a scripted comedy podcast could, could be great or, you know, um, uh, a fantasy podcast, you know, I, I, I really think we're just kind of scratching the surface now and that people will continue to, to, to find new and creative ways to, to explore the medium. Did you guys have any, um, or what influences might've come to mind? Like I noticed one thing, and, and again, this has nothing to do with like zombies, but, uh, in relation to the walking dead, it starts with like only the people, like average people know what's going on. They're trying to figure it out, not like, you know, the president's right. point of view. Were there any influences that came to mind when you were kind of writing this story? You know what? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a million influences that, um, you know, were in my, my subconscious. And I think, like, I'm just off the cuff, I would say Stephen King's work for sure. Um, you know, I, I think he does a great job uh, in his books of taking these big, uh, whether they're supernatural or horror events, and just funneling funneling them through the prism of a very small community. And I think there's something really appealing about that, you know, you, you, that you know that there's this big, massive, world-changing event going on, uh, but you're only seeing it through the eyes of a people in a small town. Um, and so I think that's, that's definitely um, a, big, a big influence for me. I mean, I'd say, you know, I, I'm a fan of... of, of um, you know, kind of uh, dystopian works that are more grounded. Um, you know, one thing I, 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 I tried to 
um, convey from the beginning with this is that, you know, this is something that could happen tomorrow. It's not a thousand years in the future. Um, the power grid really is vulnerable. Um, and I feel like we're not ready as a society to deal with the aftermath of, of it failing. And so I wanted to, you know, the, the, the shows and the uh, books and, and the works that I, um, you know, was thinking about as I, as I was working on this were, are, are sort of of the more grounded variety and the more character focused than sort of, um, you know, these, these massive, um, kind of like, um, you know, again, thousand years in the future, post-apocalyptic stories, which, which are great. Many, many of which are great in their own right, but I, I wanted to do something that, that felt really grounded. It reminded me a little of a few things I've heard, like uh, just because the main character mentioned wanting to be a writer. So a lot of Stephen King's characters are writers or want to be writers and that kind of thing. And then also some of the like kind of warnings in Michael Lewis's new book, The Fifth Risk, um, like as far as it could actually happen. So what, what were some of the logistics behind this? Like how long were you writing? How long were you working with actors? How long was the editing process? So let's see. I mean, you know, um, the trying to think back, um, the, I, I met with Rami, uh, about in August and that was sort of the thing that, um, got it going. Um, and then Endeavor audio came on to finance it. Um, soon after that, we had a writer's room for, uh, let's see, you know, it was probably, uh, you know, it was it was probably six six weeks, uh, and we only met a couple of days a week, so it was very abbreviated compared to um, you know a, a TV production. But I think what we benefited from in that was that we didn't have a lot of time to um, get sidetracked and to um, uh, you know sort of dilly dally. We had to make decisions and then just go forward with them. Um, and then production, you know, we had, uh, I'd say, you know, a total of like three full, day, full studio days with the actors. I mean, in some ways that's the least time consuming part in a lot of ways. In fact, um, although, you know, a lot of work goes into that, um, uh, before that we had casting, uh, which took a couple weeks and then, you know, the post-production element, um, is actually still ongoing, <laughs> um, for, for, for later episodes. And, um, you know, as I said, that that's like the heaviest list of all, I'd say. And so you're talking about, um, you know, four or five months, uh, you know, with that. So the, the thing that's exciting about it to me on a fundamental level is I was a journalist for 10 years, and I do kind of miss the pace of, of daily journalism and, and, you know, writing a story and turning around and seeing it in the world the next day. And so obviously, you know, with the kind of development timeline that I just laid out for you, uh, it's nice, you know, you, you don't, it's not, you don't get stuck in years of uh, months and years of development health, um, with a, with a podcast and, and you can just kind of come up with the idea and put it together and, and, and then bring it out to the world, which is, which is really exciting. So kind of looking back at your career in hindsight, it, it seems like, uh, I know it always makes more sense in hindsight than why, probably why you're going through it, but it seems like you take advantage of these situations in a positive way. And then you like, push to get work done and, and try new things. Do you have an early mentor or like, what do you think is part of the reason that helps you kind of commit to things and see them through where other people will fail or fear rejection or something like that? I mean, I've certainly had more than my fair share of failures and rejections uh, in writing. So I think, 
I mean, my mentality is that um, the odds are always against you. And so you have to, um, you can't just fall in love with, with the one project that's your passion project. Um, you have to, uh, it's not that you have to just throw everything against the wall and see what sticks, but you do have to cast a wide net. And that, that's always been my mentality. Um, and I also have always had the mentality in, in, in my journalism career and in screenwriting that um, I, I think it's a mistake to lay out a, a career path for yourself that, that says something like, okay, I'm going to get this job and then it's going to lead to this and then this. I think for me at least what's been much more effective is um, taking advantage of opportunities as they present themselves. You know, I, I never would have seen myself writing a scripted podcast. I'm not sure I even knew what it was two years ago. Um, but putting yourself in a position to take advantage of those unexpected opportunities, I think has been really key for me. And, and I would encourage others to do that as well. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, master the freelancer mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset. Step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.